Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. A couple months ago, I had this incredible meal. I mean, it was awesome. And uh, I really enjoyed it. But shortly thereafter, I became deathly ill. And uh, I wasn't sure if it was the flu. I didn't know what I was dealing with. Uh, but I was in the bathroom with terrible, terrible, terrible problems uh, on both ends. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I hadn't vomited. I haven't vomited since the early 80s. And uh, I just don't get sick in that particular area. And uh, I'm vomiting like crazy, and everything else is happening. And, and so I did that several times. I came out of the bathroom feeling awful. It gave, gave some relief, but very little. And my daughter, Deanna, had you know, come home from, from college uh, that day, and she was sitting in the living room, and she saw me, and she said, Dad, you look awful. And we talked a little bit, and then I had to run again and threw up some more. And uh, then at that point, I, I, I had this terrible rash just cover my entire body. And it was scaly where you could feel it, and it was every inch of my body, and it was itching like crazy, and I walk back in, and Deanna sees me, and she says, Dad, Dad, you, uh, and Gina wasn't home, so she's mothering me perfectly. She goes, Dad, Dad, I'm going to run you to the, the emergency room, and I said, Honey, honey, I'm a guy. I said, That might happen tomorrow if this doesn't go away, but it's not happening today. I'm not wasting my time in an emergency room. We'll get through this, baby, and, uh, and so uh, she says, All right, I'm going to make you a bath. And she puts baking soda in. She left about half the box that she didn't put in. So I, she, she makes me a nice warm bath. I go in. I'm sitting in it. I put the whole box everywhere and just put it all in. I fall asleep. I'm sleeping for about an hour, and I hear her knocking on the door. She's like, Dad, did you drown? Did you drown in there, Dad? And I, I woke up. I said, Honey, honey. I said, When you're this size, you can't drown in the tub. That's... <laughs> You, you just can't slip down. You can't slip down far enough to drown. I said, we are safe. Don't worry about that. And uh, so she had, she had her fiancé, Corey, buy me some Pedia Light or Care, whatever it is. And, and I drank eight ounces of that because I was totally dehydrating. And uh, I woke up about three hours later, and everything was uh, disappearing, and I was doing better and got better and, uh, hours after that. And I realized I was food poisoned. And uh, today, I want to welcome you to our new series, What Jesus Hates About Church. And uh, you might be wondering how I'm tying this story in, but we are going to tie it in perfectly. But in case you weren't here last week, uh, the Apostle John was put into prison on this island called Patmos. And on the Lord's Day, he was just worshiping God like we did this morning. And Jesus literally appeared to him. He appeared to him. And he gave him the book of Revelations, which the majority of it is all about prophecy and last day's events. But the first three chapters were not. And chapter 1 just described Jesus. And then in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus dictated seven letters to seven churches. He said, John, write this down. John wrote it down. John had somebody that visited him take it to the churches. And it was read by the pastors and studied by the pastors. And those seven letters were captured. Now, five of the churches he corrected really strongly. And that's why I titled this What Jesus Hates About Church, because at one point he said, I hate this. Now, he doesn't hate you and I. 
He doesn't hate, he doesn't even, Jesus doesn't even hate non-Christians. I mean, he loves everybody. But there's certain things these churches were doing that he said, I don't want to see this in my church. And I guess since he started church, he can tell us what he wants in our churches and what he doesn't. So he wrote some stern, stern rebukes. And uh, two of the churches he didn't have any correction for. That's pretty cool. And uh, six of the churches he affirmed. He said, you're doing this right. One church he didn't even affirm. I taught that last week. If you weren't here, that's all free on our, on our website and uh, on, on our smart app. You can, you can listen to that for free, watch it for free. But we're going to study two letters today. One we'll study, one I'll refer to. It was the church at Pergamum and Thyatira, and both churches were allowing this thing into their church called false teaching. And guess what false teaching will do? It, it, it's like spiritual food poisoning because the Bible's called bread. It's called food. And spiritual food poisoning will give you spiritual diarrhea, spiritual vomiting, and spiritual rashes. It will ruin your life. And you know how that, I told you how good that food looked? Sometimes bad teaching looks good. It makes sense in our head, but, but it's just not right. And guess what? Jesus will be correcting the pastor. I mean, it's the guy that's doing what I'm doing. He is upset with him, and he really corrects him. So we'll take a look at what he says. But I thought it would be good to begin today uh, because of the culture we live in. We live in a culture that's... Uh, when I accepted Christ, I was 19. That's back in 1979 or 78. And um, our culture was similar, but it's even grown even further to the left, and uh, you and I are living in it, and we need to understand it, and we need to understand how the church should respond to it. So I thought this would be a good thing to deal with at first, and it goes like this. Tolerant Jesus doesn't tolerate bad doctrine, and uh, doctrine is referring to teachings, and it's referring to specific types of teachings. For instance, there are major doctrines in the Bible. One of the major doctrines is the doctrine of heaven, the doctrine of hell. And the Bible teaches us there's a heaven to gain, a hell to shun, that those things are really uh, real. Uh, another doctrine in the Bible is the Trinity. You know, God is three, God is one God, three persons. Uh, there's, there, there's the doctrine uh, of Jesus, you know, being the only way to heaven. I mean, there's these major doctrines. And when the church moves off of one of the doctrines or they allow false teachings on those doctrines to come in, the church Jesus does not tolerate it. He's not mad at you. He's mad at the pastor. And he's saying, control your church, buddy. Control what's coming out. And, and that's what's happening with Pergamum and Thyatira. But now let's talk a little bit about tolerant Jesus because Jesus is tolerant. Um, and when I think of the word tolerant, here's what I think about. Jesus loves everybody. Do you know Jesus loves you whether you're a Christian or not a Christian? He loves you. God so loved the world. That's everybody. He loves you. Do you know Jesus loves you regardless of how you're living right now? He loves you. Jesus loves people that even mock him, people that don't believe in him. He loves everybody. He's tolerant. Now, the Bible says there's a day of judgment coming. That's in the future. But, I mean, God loves everybody. But here's what he doesn't want. He doesn't want a pastor because of what's going on in culture to compromise and not teach the standards of doctrine that are in the Bible. And there's a lot of pressure on pastors uh, to do so. So let's go a little further. Let's just talk about what tolerance means in our, in our culture versus the Bible. 
So here's what it means in our culture. Our culture's definition of tolerance is we need to accept, honor, and agree with whatever another person believes is okay. If we don't, we're bigots and haters. That's the culture you and I live in. So years ago, we could say, here's what the Bible says, and people would say, well, that's your belief, that's cool. But now they want us to say, well, you know what? That's not in the Bible, or the Bible's against that, but it's okay. You're, it's okay to do. We accept it. And what God's asking us to do is say, hey, love them, but tell them, hey, I can't go there. I can't accept that because here's the standard of God. Now listen to this. Here's the Bible's de definition of tolerance. We must love the person that believes and practices what's biblically incorrect. We can disagree with them in a loving, non-condemning way as we hold forth God's standard in that area. So in other words, and I apologize, guys. I apologize for pastors who get up, who take God's standards, and they communicate them in really mean, nasty, degrading ways. I apologize for them. But yet, they have to be taught, and you have to put them up there. You know what Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says? It's a cool scripture, and I love, uh, I love this particular translation I'm going to quote. It says, where there's no law or God's word, no standard, the people run crazy. <laughs> and, and that's what happens. If, if I don't put the standard out there, nobody has anything to aim for. And so I have to understand, hey, the culture's out there. They may call me a bigot. They may call me a hater. And, and of course, we're not on a, I'm not a national minister, so it's the guys that are out there nationally, they get beat up pretty bad. And, and a lot of people have pulled back because they don't want to be called a hater. But we're going to see today, Jesus, boy, he, he says, man, you stand your ground. You teach the truth. And here's what I learned in my life. Remember, I let you know I accepted Christ when I was 19. And I was very sexually active. I was very, very worldly. And then I accept Christ. And I began to go to a church. It was a good church. And the pastor would teach the standards of God. And he did it in a loving way. And I would sit there and hear these different standards. And it would ruffle my feathers. I'd like, I don't like that. I don't want to change my life. I don't know. I did this my whole life this way. And then I'd have thoughts like, well, God doesn't understand. Uh, the Bible's outdated. And all those things would flood my mind. But here's what was so cool about it. I would go home, and because I heard it, God would deal with my heart for weeks, and he would open up my eyes, and he would change me. And I, I'm so thankful those pastors ruffled my feathers. And some of you, I may ruffle your feathers today, and, and, uh, and yet there's going to come a day when you say, Pastor Joe, I'm... I'm so thankful. I had a guy walk out of first service, he just, and, and he was tatted up. He just had a new tattoo. He had oil on it because he just got it, and just all tatted up. And he comes up to me and says, Pastor Joe, I was sitting there today. And he said, he said tears just came to my eyes. He said, he said, my life changed as a result. He said, I realized I'm living a life that I need to change. And he says, I want to thank you for what you taught today. And when I see that, it's a standard. So guess what, guys? While you and I are trying to hit the standards, guess what? God tolerates us. He loves us. God loves you so much. And he knows we're not all where we need to be. Actually, we'll never get all the way to where we need to be. But, but God is merciful. He's loving. But he says, pastors, you've got to put it out there. If you put it out there, I can work with people's hearts. And that's what, that's what Jesus is going to deal with today. So here's my point. Here's my big idea. 
for today. It goes like this. Sound doctrine creates safe churches. God wants church to be safe for you. And it can only be safe if the standards, the doctrines that are biblical are taught within a church because people will rise to whatever you lay out in front of them. God's people are amazing. They'll grow. Non-Christians will be brought to Christ if you can put standards out before them. It's the most amazing thing ever. So listen to this, guys. In the Bible, in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, uh, you see it in all kinds of books uh, of the New Testament, pastors are told over and over again, be careful not to allow wolves, false teachers. A wolf is a, a, wolf is a false teacher or prophet that is dressed in sheep's clothing. Sheep's clothing is referring to they act like they're Christian, but they're really not, and they're bringing in bad teaching. And over and over again, they're told in the Bible, be careful, watch out for that, don't allow that into your church. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm like a watchman, and I have, to, I have to put the standard out there. If someone wanders into our church teaching something really crazy that's uh, one of the major doctrines of the Bible, and they're teaching it opposite, I have to confront them. God, God wants those... He wants church to be safe for you. So in Acts 20, here's something. Uh, la last week I told you, read Revelations 1. You'll love it, chapter 1. This week, read, read Acts chapter 20 this week because it's the first ever pastor's conference. The Apostle Paul called all the pastors in the region. First ever pastor's conference. He was teaching exclusively to pastors. And you know what he said near the end of that, that, that conference in Acts chapter 20? He said, I've warned you guys for three years with tears in my eye. He said, I've warned you that when I leave, ravenous wolves, that would be false teachers, are going to come into the church and draw disciples off to themselves. And he said, don't allow it to happen. So Jesus is now writing to two churches that, al that allowed it to happen. And he's not happy. So this is going to help you understand church. It's going to help you understand one of the standards of God. Um, and it's just going to help you understand what God wants to do in your life. And you know what he wants to do? He wants you to hear the standards so you can grow and you can become more Christ-like. And you can't do that until you know what God's heart is. So here's, here's the letter we're going to spend time in, and I'll refer to the other one. This is the letter to the church at Pergamum, and it goes like this. To the angel or the pastor, if you were here last week, I showed you that's the pastor of the church in Pergamum, right? These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. And in chapter 1, you know what? When John saw the image of Jesus, he saw a sharp, double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And we know that's what? That's the Bible. That's the Word of God coming out. And I like the fact that it has two edges because one edge can be corrective. It lays down the standards of God, which can correct us quite a bit. And then the other side is the wonderful side, like I love you. I think about you every morning. My thoughts are on you all the time. I love that. How many of you like that part of the Word of God? That's awesome. <coughs> but we, it's double-edged. Now, whenever Jesus describes himself at the beginning of a letter, he, he picks a description of himself that he's going to deal with with this church. And guess what? This church is off in their teaching, so he's... He's saying, I am the Word of God. Hey, I wrote the Bible. It's coming out of my mouth. I am the Word. Man, don't you try to tell me this isn't applicable. Don't you try to tell me this isn't relevant for the culture. I know what's relevant. I'm Jesus. So he's going to straighten these guys out. And listen to verse 13. He's going to con uh, affirm them. He says, I know where you live. Can I stop there just for a moment? Do you know Jesus knows where you live? 
That's another way of saying that is, I know what's going on in your life. Isn't that nice to know he knows what's going on in your life? And you guys, every one of you have different things you're dealing with, different things that are going on in your life right now, and Jesus wants you to know, I know, I know. And listen to what he goes on to say. He says, where Satan has his throne, we'll talk about that, yet you remain true to my name. Here he's affirming them. He says, you're hanging out right where Satan's throne is, and he says, you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. So twice he talked about Satan's throne, Satan lives. We'll talk about that in a minute. But can we talk about Antipas? It really helps you understand this church. Do you know who he was? He was the guy that did what I do here. He was the pastor of the church. And you know what historians tell us? He was a fiery pastor, preacher, teacher, and he was preaching holiness and righteousness. And he was saying, this is the standard of God. And this city was so worldly and so liberal. Do you know they had him put to death? Now, can you imagine being the replacement pastor? It's like, whoa, I think I'll teach for two years on God's love, and then I'll take a year on prayer, but I'm not touching any of the standards of God. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about any righteous or holy standards because this guy was preaching holiness. He was preaching we need to be pure and clean sexually, and it caused him to be put to death. That's what was happening in this church. Well, let me help you understand the city. This church had immense pressure. Um, this was called the City of Ideas, Pergama. Do you know they boasted of a library that had over 200,000 books? Today, that would be equivalent to having all the knowledge on the Internet. I mean, they had, they had more books than any other culture anywhere on the planet at that time. And these books, some of them were great books, but many of them were liberal. They were anti-God books. And these people were reading all these things, and they had beliefs in their culture that were 100% different than the Bible. And so the church is living in that atmosphere. But they were also called the city of temples. They had three temples. And one of the temples was the temporal, temple to the emperor of Rome. And they had a statue of the emperor, and people would go in and worship the Roman emperor. And then they had a, 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 a temple to Athena. She was the goddess of war and wisdom. And they would go in and worship her. And guess what? Part of the worship of her was sexual orgies. So that was all mixed in there. That's the city they lived in. People came from all over the region to see these temples. And then their third temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was the Temple of Zeus. And it had an altar, and that altar is believed to be the throne of Satan. Now, you can Google it. That altar is now in a museum in Germany. So you can actually Google it. They brought it, put it together piece by piece, and you can see the altar. They would do human sacrifices there, and, and, and it, it was where they worshipped Zeus. And so people came from all over the known world to go to that temple. And here's a church planted in the middle of it all, and their pastor is put to death for teaching Bible standards. And now Jesus is writing and he's affirming him. He says, guys, you didn't walk away from me. I am proud of you. Because, you know, there's two reasons you and I will be persecuted as Christians. One is for righteousness sake. Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sakes or standing up for what's right or righteous. And then he said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. So when you and I say, we're going to stick with the standards of God, 
and this is what God's standards are, there's going to be a lot of persecution that can come our way. So listen to the very next thing he says. So we know there's the throne of Satan. He goes on to say in verse 14, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Here's what was happening in the church. These churches were, were big. They had associate pastors. And this pastor had to keep everybody un, under wraps. And there were some of the pastors that were allowing teaching to come out. And the teaching was, hey, you can have sex anytime. You don't have to be married and so on and so forth. And people were falling into that trap. And Jesus is upset with this doctrine. In case you're new, and just to remind all of us, Here's one of the standards of the Bible. It's called purity or holiness. Do you know that the Bible teaches that sex was created for the marital union? It was created for marriage. Now, I was sexually active before I met Jesus, so that blew my gaskets when I heard that. And uh, I'm like, what? And so, um, so that's what the Bible teaches, and, and it teaches that marriage is for a man and a woman, and that is 100 percent different than the culture that you and I live in. And again, when you begin to teach God's standards, even if you do it in a loving way, which I'm doing it in a loving way right now, you're, you're going to have people in the culture that call you a hater, that call you backwards, that say, you know, that, that's no longer, the Bible's no longer relevant, but here's what I've learned. I mean, I've learned that the Bible is relevant, and I saw what it did in my life, and I've watched the transformation and I know that the truth sets us free. And if I don't put that standard forth, I'm not going to be able to help other people be set free. And so that's why we put that standard up there. So this church had some bad doctrine. Here's, here's the doctrine of Balaam, just so you understand it. Balaam was a prophet of God. And uh, he, he, he lived during the time Israel was delivered out of Egypt. But he was not a Jew. He was not Israeli. And, and yet he was a prophet. God used him. The Bible says his words were really, really accurate. So God used him uh, to speak things. And so there's this king. His name's Balak. He's the king of Moab. And he saw the armies of Israel. Do you know that Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they had 603,000 fighting men? That's what the Bible says. These are the fighters. This is not their me medics. This is not their food staff. This is not their transport. They had 603 bad dudes that knew how to work swords and arrows and everything, and those nations were afraid of them. So Balak, who, who was the king of the Moabites, he said, I'm going to get Balaam and have him curse these guys. So he went to Balaam. Balaam had a greed problem. He said, I'll give you millions, man. Just curse these guys for me. So they go up to this big, big hill. He looks down. And he sees Israel. He said, all right, I'll curse them. He doesn't know who they are. And he tries to curse them, and, the, and blessings come out of his mouth. And he says, I can't curse what God has blessed. And isn't that exciting for you and I to know as Christians that Amen. we can't be cursed. God's blessed you. Nobody can curse you. Don't worry about curses and things like that. Do you know that Balak looked at him and said, I'm not giving you any money? Do you know he tried seven times to curse him? And blessing came out every time? And so finally, Balak said, no money for you. And he said... Well, wait, I have another idea. I know another way to trip these guys up. If you send your most beautiful women and they seduce them to have sex outside of marriage, 
I can guarantee you that God's hand of protection will come off of them. You'll be able to beat them. And so Balak said, well, if that happens, I'll give you the money. So Balaam told him what to do. They did it. It worked, and it happened, and Israel suffered greatly from it, and that's the doctrine of Balaam. And the enemy today is still trying to do that. He's still trying to weaken the church by bringing those things into the church. And here's what God's saying. Guys, in a loving way, put the standard out there, and I will change, and I will grow everybody. And God just lets us grow and lets us change, but we have to have that standard up there. So that's what's happening in this church. This pastor is allowing it to happen. We understand why Antipas was put to death. But listen to how Jesus finishes this out, Revelations 2.16. He says, Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. That's the word of God. And you read this, and he's actually talking to the pastor. So I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. Listen to how it reads. It's, it's amazing. He says, Enough! Don't give in to them. Don't give in to them. I will be with you soon. I'm fed up and about to cut them to pieces with my sword-sharp words. You know what he's saying to this pastor? If, if you don't stop this, I'm sending a preacher that has fire in his bones, somebody with a backbone, and they're, I'm going to send them, and they're going to tear these guys up with the Scriptures. They're going to preach the Word, and it's going to solve everything. And guys, all of this is about God having a safe church for you and the church being the light that sets the standard up in a community. Now, uh, I, I just share this. This always happens behind closed doors, guys. But over the years, I've been here almost 34 years at Believers, and uh, we've had some folks come in. And we're not talking about folks that aren't living right. We're talking about folks that be, were teaching really crazy things. And I had to go talk to them at times and ask them to stop. And they've told me no, so then I have to go back again and I always take one of our biggest security guys the second time. And uh, I figure if it's going to get rough, I need some help, right? And, uh, and what I do is I say, well, since you're not going to change, you have to leave. Now, I would never tell someone in the congregation they have to leave. Uh, you know, I'm talking about someone that's influencing by false teaching. And they look at me and say, I'm still not going. And I say, well, I have a restraining order on you with the Highland Police. And the next time you come, we're calling them. They're going to throw you in jail. They never come back. They just never come back after that. But why do I do that? Why do I do it? Because sound doctrine creates safe churches. And God's rebuking this pastor and saying, man, you need to put the standard out there. You need to protect your church because these people are precious to me. You know who else is precious to Jesus? Any of our visitors here that don't consider themselves Christians yet, all the non-Christians out there. Jesus wants the church putting the standard out there because he knows that's the, the life that's going to change people and lead people to the Savior. And then those of us that know him, that's the standard we're striving to please God and live that lifestyle with him. Am I making any sense today, guys? Can we thank God for safe churches all over this community? They're all over our community, guys. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to teach uh, this part of your, your precious Bible. And uh, I, th I thank you for every church in this town. And, Lord, we take a moment. We pray for all of our pastors in town and in, in the Mahoning Valley, Lord. And we ask you to bless them. We ask you to strengthen them. And we ask you, Lord, to give them more and more understanding of, of your precious word, Lord. And, Lord, we ask you to protect these their pastors.
Lord, we pray for our community. And, Lord, we know the culture we live in. And, and man, do I love these people, Lord. They remind me of who I was before I met you. I have deep love for every one of them. And, Lord, we just pray for uh, an incredible, incredible God thing to happen where they come to know Christ and their, their eyes are open to how good you are and how wonderful you are. And, Lord, we pray for all those that are addicted in our community, Lord, whether it's sexually, whether it's drugs. We pray for those addictions, Lord. We pray for your power to bring freedom to everyone that's addicted. And, Lord, we thank you that your standards are there not to condemn us, but to give us something to strive for. And we thank you for helping all of us strive for your standards, Lord God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Guys, let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm not sure of my forever. I'm not sure if I were to die, if I go to heaven or hell. You know, the best thing that ever happened in my life is at 19 when I accepted Christ. It, it was incredible. The light went on on the inside. And if you're here and you don't have purpose, uh, you know, you're full of anxiety, uh, you lack hope, you're not sure about your future, listen, listen. I'm not asking you to join our church or a religion. And I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult. Those are all great things. But you know you can do all those things and not know who Jesus is, not have met him. The Bible says, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever believes in me will not perish, but I will give them the gift of eternal life, which means you get to go to heaven when you die. Jesus said, if you believe in me, I'll wash all your sins away. He says, God will become your father. It's the most incredible thing in all the universe. And, and, and if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a moment in my life where I made it personal with Jesus. You probably have known about him, but you say, I can't remember when I called on his name. If you're here and you say, I'm ready, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else, can we help him pray? Just say this after me. And if you mean this from your heart, the miracle happens. Just say, uh, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for all the world. I believe God raised you from the grave. I believe you're the only way to heaven. And I believe in you right now and make a decision to follow you. Amen. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you prayed that prayer, miracles happen. All your sins were washed away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. You may not have felt it, but it all happened. It all happened. You know what else is happening right now? The Bible says that if one person on this entire planet accepts Christ, that God himself and all of heaven begin to celebrate. You know how we celebrate it after each of our songs? They're celebrating up there. And why? Because you've become one of God's kids. You're going to spend eternity with him. He's happy. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.